Welcome to Three Associating. One is the loneliest number that A podcast that goes behind the door of therapists working in a relational psychoanalytic model. I'm Andrew. And I'm Rachel. We're both therapists. And we're both supervisees of Jill. And I'm Jill, therapist and supervisor, and co-author with Jackie Winship of the book The Talking Cure. While people might think that therapists have it all together, by now you know we don't. We get stuck, experience challenges, and have blind spots. This continues to affect our work, and this is why we need ongoing supervision. This podcast peeks behind the closed door of relational supervision and lets you know about the therapist's blind spots. Relational supervision complements the traditional focus on the patient by focusing on both patient and the therapist. In each episode, we discuss a fictitious character in supervision. While none of these patients are real, the relational dynamics are. Episode 3, Dank Memes, TikTok and Unprocessed Grief. Hey Rage, which of these TikTok aesthetic microtrends would you say is your favourite? 90s Whimsigoth, Cottagecore or Y2K? (laughs) I have no idea. I think I'm going to have to consult Google and get back to you. (laughs) Okay. Hi Jill. Hi Andy. So Jill, today I'm bringing to you a patient who I'm going to call Henry, who just turned 15, and we've been meeting weekly for the past six months. Mm-hmm. And he came to the first session with his dad, Jeff, um, and often when I'm working with someone of that age, I'll get the parent or parents to come in with them initially. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that Henry said when he saw me, he rolled his eyes and he said, oh, dad, he's so old. And <laughs> I rem- remember having a strong and immediate urge to fight Henry because I felt he's been a punk. Uh, Jeff is a builder and he's this big kind of amiable guy with a big presence and he talks a lot about thinking positively and looking on the bright side of things. And so for the first session, Jeff basically talked the whole time and took up a lot of space. Henry was virtually silent. And according to Jeff, Henry was having a bit of trouble with motivation, a bit of trouble with get up and go. And Henry's passive and sullen appearance seemed to confirm that. But I felt I needed to meet with him separately to get a bit more of a sense of Mm -hmm. what was happening. Mm -hmm. So when I met with Jeff, had a few sessions with him solo. And he was saying that Henry didn't have any friends. He attended school irregularly. He had a pretty nocturnal rhythm. So he was sleeping in really late, staying up really late and on his computer a lot in his room. Um, Jeff felt that Henry relied on him to do everything so all domestic duties and even things like waking him up Jeff was still doing that and I think Jeff felt really concerned about Henry's inertia Mm -hmm. um, particularly given that he was getting older yeah if Jeff asked Henry to do something Henry would say he felt too depressed to do it and if Jeff pushed him on it Henry would say that he was having thoughts of self-harming or he was feeling suicidal Mm -hmm. Um, but there'd never been any incidents of self-harm or any attempts or anything like that. It sort of seemed like Mm. if Henry would say that, then Dad would back off and do the thing he was asking Henry to do. Mm. Mm. Just in terms of family history, from what I gathered from Jeff, Jeff, there's been a lot of loss in the family history. So Henry was actually a twin and he and his brother Jacob were born extremely preterm at about 24 weeks. And Jeff tells his story of holding Henry in the palm of one hand and Jacob in the palm of another hand and saying to himself, here are my boys. 
which I find a pretty moving image, this kind of big burly builder, you know, Mm -hmm. protecting his sons in each hand. Things got trickier from there. So while Henry was in the humidity crib, he contracted a virus that resulted in him um, having unilateral cerebral palsy and a mild hemiplegia. And then tragically, Jacob, Henry's brother, died within the first 12 months of his life from a congenital heart issue. Mm -hmm. And Daisy, who was Henry and Jacob's mother, didn't take that well. So she had her own sort of complicated history. She'd been a ward of the state as an adolescent, been through a number of foster homes and, according to Jeff, had battled a number of addictions. And basically with Jacob's death, it pushed her into an alcoholism that Mm -hmm. ultimately led to her death. Um, when when Henry was five. So for the last decade or so, it's just been Henry and Jeff. And Jeff says that Henry knows about this, but they don't focus on it. And as far as he's concerned, Henry's a normal kid, they're a normal family, and they're just lucky to be there and there's no point dwelling in the past. Mm -hmm. And Jeff's not open to the idea of seeking therapy for himself. He says, I'm here for my son and and I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So that was my first few sessions with Jeff. Then I met with Henry individually and it was pretty tough going and involved kind of a power struggle and a battle of wills that's persisted. Mm-hmm. I found any question that I asked him, he would just roll his eyes or say nothing or um, say something like, "Ugh, you're so old, you wouldn't even know. Mm-hmm. When I asked Henry why he wanted to come to therapy, he said, because dad wants me to. And when I asked him why he was doing what dad wanted him to do, he said, because he's my dad's stupid. And so there was a fair bit of silence in the session in which I think we both felt pretty angry. I was feeling pretty fed up with Henry and how unlikable his defences mm-hmm. are and were. And I think I was still sort of caught in this idea of like wanting to fight Henry and win. Mm-hmm. But I also felt that somewhere underneath all of Henry being a punk, there was uh, he wanted to connect and wanted to be found in some way. And so I suggested that we meet for a few more sessions to kind of get to know each other and then work out what to do from there. Mm-hmm. And Henry said, whatever. And that was the mm. end of the session. So, oh my goodness. Um, okay. Challenging. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty tough. <laughs> so, we met for a few more sessions. And then, right towards the end of the fourth session, which was the last one we booked before working out what to do going forward, something significant happened. So, we were both silent in this kind of silent battle where we're both feeling angry, I think. And Henry picked up his phone and he looked at TikTok. And I said, Oh, what's that? And he rolled his eyes and didn't respond. And I said, on your phone, what are you looking at there? And he rolled his eyes again. He's like, oh, you're so old. You don't even know what TikTok is. And I felt something shift in me. And I suddenly felt this feeling of like, you're on, like there are going to be two tyrants in this room now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I, I, then I found myself saying to Henry, you know what, Henry, you're really right. I am really old and you're also really wrong because I know what TikTok is. And you know what? I'm so old that I was born before everyone had the internet and mobile phones and an advantage of being so old is that I know more about what's on the internet than you do, right? Mm-hmm. I said, you know Reddit? I made the first post. You know Elon Musk? I'm his grandfather. Discord, I made the first ever server. I'm the original coastal grandmother. I was into cottage core before it was a thing. Um, I pioneered core core as a TikTok aesthetic and I'm going to be there for the beginning of every other trend before you've even heard of it. Um, and I said, listen, Henry, there's no site you've been to. There's no app you've downloaded. There's no dank meme you've ever seen that I haven't already heard of. And if you don't believe me, try me. Whenever you're online, I am the ocean you're swimming in. 
Um, and Henry looked a bit shocked and I thought a bit shocked too. I was like, what are you saying, Andrew? Like who says that they're the ocean that someone's swimming in? But, but then he looked engaged and he said, all right then, have you seen this meme before? And he showed me a meme and I said, I saw that like six months ago, Henry. And then I was like, what do you think of that meme? And then, then it shifted. Then we were off and we were talking and he was telling me about memes and it felt like this total opening and it was like the power struggle had subsided for some sort of connection. What was the meme as a matter of interest? Oh, it was the one um, where uh, there's the couple and there's the and she's at the front and he's sort of in the middle mid-ground and he's looking back. I don't know if you've seen that photo. He's looking back at like another girl, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we talked about that for a while and I said to Henry, like, what do you want to do moving forward? And he said, I'm going to find a meme you've never seen before and I'm going to show it to you next week. So that kind of felt like sufficient motivation mm-hmm. and I felt mm-hmm. that things had shifted. So we basically continued like that for about six months. So Henry will start the session by showing me something he's seen online. Can I, I just interrupt yeah. one sec? Because that first meme, did he draw it up and say you haven't seen this one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I had seen it. Okay. Um, okay. And I acted like it was old news. Mm. And so mm. that's the pattern that we're in now. He comes in and shows me something to try to show me something I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And regardless of whether I've seen it or not, I'm like, whatever, Henry, I've seen that, you know, mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about the meme or the post or the online clip mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like in this process, Henry lets me into his mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And through talking about his online world, it feels to me like we're also indirectly talking about his feelings of loneliness and difference, especially in relation to his cerebral palsy, despair. It's like all the all the feelings that there aren't room to talk about in his relationship with his father mm-hmm. and all the things that feel too scary to talk about directly, mm. we're sort of touching on indirectly via online culture. Yes. Yes. And so last week Henry turned 15 and he mentioned in session that he and his dad were having a party to celebrate that night. And this week towards the end of the session I asked him about the party and he showed me a photo of him and his dad at their dining table which was made up with four place settings. They both had a party hat on and there were two other party hats on the table. And I said, oh, who else was at the Henry party? Who, who else was at the party, Henry? I thought it was just you and your dad. And Henry said, yeah, it was. And I was like, well... Who was sitting here and here then, like pointing to the two hats? And Henry said, oh, they're, they're for mum and Jacob. They always join us for birthdays mm. and Easter mm. and Christmas mm. and dad always sets a place for them. And Henry said it so nonchalantly but I just felt this like wave of sadness and I became mm. Mm. kind of teary suddenly, which is unusual for me in session. And Henry noticed and he said, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, nothing's wrong, Henry. I just, my eyes are tearing up because, you know, there's a sadness here that's palpable mm. about mm. the loss of your mum, your brother. And Henry paused and he looked at me for a while and then he looked down for a longer amount of time and then we hit time, the end of the session, so I said, we're at time. And I saw Henry kind of wipe his eyes and then look up at me with these pursed lips and he said, don't do that again, don't do that tear thing. Um, And I noticed that as he walked out of the room I felt like I wanted to fight him again. Mm. So Mm. that's where things are at. It was a big sigh, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I'm sighing because it's like, oh, we're back, we're back to the power struggle, we're back to the fighting. He's telling me not to not to get teary. I'm telling him he needs to be sad or whatever. You know, it's yes, yeah. yes, yes. I need to think about it because it, it's very interesting. I must say that the thing I'm most struck by, just in my free association, is the first meme he chooses to show you, 
And yes, because I think he chose it and there's something very significant for him. I mean, I know in the interpersonal there's the challenge, have you seen it, haven't you seen it? Mm. So I'm struck by that and I'll come back to that. And it is linked with that image of him and the father and the two plates. And it's so sad that at 15, Mm. you know, as I understand it, he didn't have any party with his peers or any kind of connection. And, Mm. you know, that's really difficult. And what I was aware of is how much he's living in the shadow of the father's grief. Mm. I mean, the father hasn't grieved that he is engaged in these kind of rituals, or he has grieved, but he hasn't resolved the grief is Mm. what I'm trying to say. And so I'm so struck that, you know, the man is looking backwards, actually. And I mean, I know the meme doesn't mean that, but you could interpret it in another way, Mm. that the man is looking in the rearview mirror. You know, I know it's about two women and all of this, but another way of thinking about it for me is that the man is looking back to the woman who has actually demised, departed, and therefore can't actually move forward Hmm. to embrace anybody. And I certainly wouldn't be interpreting this. This is my free association. But Hmm. for me, it encapsulates where they're stuck, Hmm. that there's so much grieving and looking at life through the rearview mirror. And it's not specifically Henry. It feels to me very much like the father And, you know, for him to move forward, he might have to betray the father or leave the father or, uh, you know, I think they're in an incredible merger. Mm. And the father's over-functioning, which means he'll under-function. I think he threatens the father with the self-harm. The father then performs. Mm. But I think the real difficulty is that he he can't leave that father who feels to me very fragile. Mm. That's how I'm experiencing it, Andy. Yeah, that feels so true, you know. I think there's definitely something about... It feels like there's been so much grief and loss that hasn't been able to be metabolised yes. in that... Real, well, I was going to say system, but in that diet, I guess. Yes, that's, you that's, know. yes exactly. And, you know, he, he, he does want to keep you out right from the get-go... Mm. He wants you to feel vulnerable that you're so old Mm. and that's like a visual marker, you know. I mean, he's saying you look old. Well, relative to him, we're all old. Mm. But still, there's something about the fact that he has visual markers of vulnerability with cerebral palsy Mm. and he goes to a visual marker um, for you relative Mm. to him and says it. And it's so much easier to be in the power struggle than in the, the kind of grief. But there is something at least that it was active. Yeah. I felt that given somebody who's presenting as demotivated as he was in the beginning, mm. and he mobilized himself right at the get-go to say that to you. So there was something about you that actually I think appealed to him because mm. he chose to engage. That's an engagement. That's true, actually. I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm. And, you know, just when you were saying about kind of visual signs of vulnerability, because that Mm. image of Jeff holding Henry Mm. and Jacob in his hands, like that keeps coming back to me in the work. And But I've always thought about it as it's sort of like Henry is still in Jeff's hand, like like Jeff is still trying to, like he's he's petrified that if he, you know, if that changes that he's going to lose another son. But just when you were thinking about it then, I was thinking as well about, Jeff's vulnerability 
and about yes. how much I hadn't I hadn't really thought of that before. Yes. Yes. But how much Henry might have difficulty leaving his dad on account of his dad's fragility. Th- that, that's what I feel is yeah. that, you know, the dad is tremendously fragile as I experience him and frightened, you know, that his son will die and the son sort of plays on that in one way but in another way is completely connected to him and loyal to him. And I think that that challenge to you about being old, he said it was a challenge, was, well, can you survive in terms of the fragility but also going to a visual marker? Mm. of vulnerability in a particular kind of way. Mm. So, yes, there was something about you that engaged him because it was a very active comment for a very passive boy. So It was. Um, you know, that struck me. And the choice of the meme, I think, is telling you something about his dad that's so stuck looking in the rear mirror at the woman, can't move forward to have his own partner, which would free. Yeah. Henry, that's where my mind went. That's so interesting because I'd always associated that meme with competition, you know, because the guy in the meme is like with one Mm -hmm. woman and he's getting distracted by another. Um, But that idea of sort of looking back, because also Jeff's so adamant about the past is in the past, we don't get stuck there, and yet he's still setting these table settings for his dead wife and son. So I'm very aware, and you're right, the meme is intended to be about competition and rivalry. And that's the conscious connection between the two of you, the competition and rivalry. But the unconscious is my dad and free me from this kind of um, merger where at my 15th birthday I'm sitting here at this table with these two places set for two people in the rearview mirror and mm. nothing can happen. We can't go forward. Mm. And then when you start to put him in touch with the grief, and he might have been a little bit frightened about you being Terry, actually, Andrew, because I think he's afraid of the father's fragility. So it may be him that doesn't want to become Terry, mm. but he may also have a mixed feelings. I'm sure on one level he's touched mm. because it's so human. And you've also given him a lot of permission. But we don't know. On the other hand, you know, does he want to provoke you back into being uh, the big strong one who will get into the argy-bargy and the fight and the this and the that? Because he's provoked you back into it. So it might be not only that his vulnerability is scary, but that there's something difficult about yours. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I guess I was so sort of, you know, when I, when I had that that rant about being, you know, in charge of the internet, <laughs> which felt so <laughs> like such a funny thing to come out of my mouth and, you know, like I'm the ocean that you're swimming in when you're online. But he responded so well to that and I wonder if it's because it was such a sort of grandiose display. You know, it was, it was like really yes. like this display of invincibility, yes, you know, and that was when he was able to sort of relax into some sort of connection with me and I wonder if there's something about seeing me tear up that Uh, threatened that. Yes, I think you spot on. I think Mm. that it was so sort of off the planet that at one (laughs) level he was able to see that there was something around, you know, parody that was actually in there. Right. On the other hand, it was hugely omnipotent and grandiose and um, the opposite of 
the father who really was impotent to save the wife who was... Mm. And, you know, I do wonder about that because in the first five years of his life, he also had a mom who was alcoholic. That's serious. Yeah. And, you know, the father couldn't salvage, nor was it his responsibility, but he couldn't salvage either of them, the mother or the child. So... Mm. I think your grandiose <laughs> rant and omnipotence <laughs> was a kind of antidote right. to the impotence or the inability. And also he could get enough ironic distance to actually know it was real and not real. You went into play mode, mm. if we look at it from a Fonagy point of view, yeah. which is actually quite an interesting because um, at five we're still in the play mode, which is maybe where he's a bit, you know, um, arrested, although one does wonder about the quality of what was on offer, mm. given the mom was actually struggling with addiction. Yeah. I mean, we sort of toward the end, Andy, but let me give it back to you. Any last thoughts or comments? Or I mean, I think it's been it's been helpful to think about it with you. I think part of what I was wondering was how do I start the next session because of how the last one ended. But I think something you just said about the play mode, I think when we've been talking about online things, it feels like we've been in the play mode and at the same time been doing real work around feelings and that sort of mm. thing. And I think because I was thinking of starting next session by, I don't know, sort of confronting him in some way or saying like what mm. happened at the end of last session or what. Mm. But I, I, I don't think that would be very effective, I think, well, I'll see, I'll see how he starts it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Let's yeah. how he starts it. Let's see what meme he brings in because at the moment he is communicating incredibly effectively. Yeah. And it's sort of age appropriate because he's between when one would be doing play therapy mm. and when one would be doing talk therapy and he's right. got a beautiful uh, bridge between the two. So I think he's using those memes incredibly creatively. So I would just wait to see. Maybe developmentally he's moving toward a more representational way of uh, being through words, but maybe not. He's using mm. quite a good mixture. So let's see what he does is the answer. I'll see what he brings in. I feel like I might have to remind him that I'm the king of the internet. To... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I find myself saying maybe downgrade it a little yeah, bit to yeah. just being – and I'm actually being quite serious because I think the two of you are trying to ratchet to a position where you can meet yeah. um, more around the issues of loss, suffocation actually. Mm. So play, but uh, <laughs> maybe don't go into your omnipotence and defendedness around what is actually happening, which is painful. Yeah. So yeah. to still, you know, not go into the challenge fully, not leave the play alone fully, but also the painfulness that you felt was mm. important, whether he found it difficult or not. It's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Play gently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Jill. Okay, Andy. And sorry I didn't play along with that nice omnipotence <laughs> of being the king, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's it was very it was enjoyable. Necessary. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. All right. See you, Andy. Now we reflect on what happened. We identified the dilemma we took into the supervision, the distillation we took out of supervision and our blind spots. Blind spots include bright spots and dark spots. 
A bright spot is when we are blinded to the overall picture and we can only see a sliver of what is occurring in ourselves and in the interaction. A dark spot is when the issues are more completely out of sight. Okay, Andy, what was your dilemma going into this session? Going into this session, I think my dilemma was I felt that Henry and I were back to fighting and I wanted to win again and I love that and I know it's not productive. <laughs> okay. So what was the distillation? The distillation was to to harness power in a way that is containing rather than rivalrous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the blind spots, uh, Jill, what was the bright spot? Well, I think, Andy, as you've said, in your enjoyment of the power struggle and your desire to win, you were blinded to the many constructive uses of power beyond rivalry and competition to containment and the provision of safety. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was the dark spot? Well, I think there really was a dark spot in this instance. I mean, there always is. But Henry was so much the container of the father's grief and vulnerability. And I think both the father and the son, masking their vulnerability and their contact with you, Andy, served as a decoy to leave you away from their vulnerability. Not so much to explore it immediately. That's not what I'm suggesting but for you to have this in mind, as well as the power issue, both mm. the vulnerability and the power. Yeah, I definitely missed the vulnerability for both Henry and definitely for the dad. Mm-hmm. And what were your learning points? So there are a few learning points for me. The first was, if you feel yourself getting drawn into a fight, chances are something else is happening. The second was that in a merger, each person functions for the other. So with Henry and Jeff, Henry functioned to contain Jeff's vulnerability and Jeff was functioning as Henry's competence. And the third learning point for me was that unmetabolized grief can get us caught looking back to the past to the extent that we're then unable to move forward. Mm, Yeah. And the teaching points, Jill. Well, all is not as it appears, and that sometimes when there's something very powerful in the room, like in this instance rivalry, it's masking something else. So it might have been important, Andy, to go along with and participate in the appearances for a while, but to always keep in mind that it wasn't the full picture. So it's more what you would be holding in mind that would be important. And then I think the second teaching point was developmental, And I thought it was lovely the way you met Henry where he was and engaged in a form of adolescent play, which was the medium that he was familiar with. And at this age, I think that kind of play was appropriate. The third point is also a developmental one, which is to keep in mind the developmental tasks of adolescence. And in this instance, it was to revisit separation and individuation at a different level to how we might engage this earlier when we're two or three and we first begin to experiment. So my points two and three were developmental, Mm. really. And the importance of dank memes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Fourth fourth teaching point. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And Andy, a final question. Yeah, so I guess, Jill, we, we talked about Henry and Jeff being in a merger. 
And I was just wondering if you could say more about the merger dynamic. Well, if we're looking at the merger dynamics specifically with Henry in this instance, you can often tell a merger by the effect because often the person who has less power in the merger is both overly dependent on the more powerful one and also very angry and uses passive forms of power to manipulate or produce something that they want, like when Henry threatens the dad with self-harm if the dad doesn't comply and the dad lands up complying which is a very impactful exercise of power, but it's coming out of a feeling of powerlessness in most areas of Henry's life and feeling unable to free himself from the dad he is dependent on. But I do believe that it was also to do with the fact that he sensed in the dad beneath the power and competence vulnerability. So in a merger, you may, for example, unconsciously agree to be vulnerable so the other person can feel competent on one level, but you also render them powerless on another. So it really is in a merger situation where each person is constantly referencing the other internally, unconsciously, and can't free themselves to be separate. So in short, you find yourself in a hall of distorting and distorted mirrors which is why it is all the more important that we should remain three associating. Thank you for listening to Three Associating. Our theme song is performed by Katie Whiten and our audio production is by Jared Young. So a big thank you to both Katie and Jared. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whichever platform you listen to us. We love hearing from you and appreciate all of the support we've had so far. This really helps us to continue to make new content. Bye for now. Why?